When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies, human beings, and organizations. I'm your host, Aaron Quitkin. Did you know fighting food waste is the number one way to solve climate change? Well, truth be told, more than one-third of the world's food goes to waste. You heard me right, one-third of the world's food goes to waste. My guest today, Lucy Bash, has created a platform to shake up the global food system and spark a food waste fighting movement. By using her app, Too Good To Go, customers are directly connected with restaurants and stores that have unsold surplus foods. Recognized as one of the 30 under 30 by key entrepreneurs by Forbes in 2020, Lucy's vision of a better food system is both revolutionary and very necessary for our planet. Lucy, welcome to Brand On Purpose. Thanks for having me, great to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. I've long thought and I've long complained about food waste. We've had lots of different folks on the show that are trying to combat this in different ways. I love the fact that, what, five, six years ago, you started this app and I downloaded it. I'm in a little bit of a deserted area right now, so it only shows a few things. But walk us through the concept and how it works. And then I've got a ton of questions for you in your, what, sixth year in business, roughly? Yeah, roughly six years. Yeah, feels like a lifetime, but uh, it's a pretty short time as well. And so our listeners know you are legitimate French, right? You're not from no. a small town in northern New Jersey like me pretending to be French. That is a 100% legitimate accent. Are you pretending to be French? I cannot. I can't do it. And I am, I'm a 100% Jersey boy who's now been transplanted elsewhere. But yeah. Uh, no, born and raised in France in Paris, actually, eating cheese and drinking wine before the age of eight. And Nutella. And crepes, crepes, I have to say crepes. And crepes, not pancakes, indeed. Not pancakes, exactly. Okay, sorry, I digress. So talking about food waste. Yes, so we built Too Good To Go as, as a really simple way for everyone to fight food waste. As you said, it, it's even more than one third of the food. It's 40% of the food we produce on the planet that ends up uh, being thrown away. So I was actually working in the food industry, and that's when I realized the immensity of food waste. And when I realized how big it was, I think what shocked me even more, more was the fact that no one really talks about it. And it's still a really unknown issue uh, for some reason. And when people hear about it for the first time, they are shocked and they actually want to do something against food waste. So the idea behind Too Good To Go was to say, let's create a simple way for everybody to reduce food waste in their daily lives. And we looked around us and we saw that most of our food stores, you know, the bakery around the corner, the bagel store, the pizza store, even the supermarkets, they end up throwing food away every night. And it's not because they don't care. It's not because they take pleasure in throwing food away. It's because there is no easy solution when you are a food business to not throw food away. And of course, uh, there are a lot of charity partners that pick up some of the food, some of the evenings. The idea was really to create a systemic way to make sure that every night, no food ends up in the bin. 
So we created Too Good To Go as an app to connect stores that might have leftovers at the end of the day to consumers, people like you and me, people who live in the neighborhood, who can actually um, order a surprise bag filled of food that would have been thrown away. So when you're on Too Good To Go, you basically see the stores around you. You select the one you want to pick up food from and you pay basically between three and five dollars to come at the end of the day around the closing time to pick up a bag filled with food. You always get three times the value of what you paid for on the app and you get some great food that was still being sold 10 minutes earlier at full price and you get it at a reduced price. So the idea was really to create a win-win-win concept was the stores have an easy way to not throw food away anymore and they actually get new consumers to their door to discover their product. Where as consumers, we now have a super simple way to do our bit in the fight against food waste and save one meal. And then, of course, for the planet, imagine that today, six years later, we actually save um, more than two meals every second in 17 countries. We've saved more than 100 million meals with our community of uh, 50 million waste warriors. And that's really the beauty of technology in a way, is that all our actions being put next to each other actually make a massive impact and can really help solving such a big issue as food waste. Now, do you charge the store or the restaurant? You guys have to, no pun intended, feed yourselves, right? You need to be able to sustain this model. So you need to charge somebody something. How does that work? For sure. And, and our ambition was really as well to create what we call a social impact company, meaning kind of going away from the model where charities do good and companies do profit. The idea is to build a new generation of company that don't do one or the other, but actually do both at the same time. And the beauty of reducing food waste is that by doing that, you create value. And that's how our business model was really easy to find is that for every meal we save on the platform, so if as a consumer you save a meal for $5, we're going to take a commission on that $5 of $1.79, and then we'll send the rest back to the store. So in a way, it's free for everyone because the store have they will never pay anything to get onto Good To Go. As a consumer, you pay $5 and you get $15 worth of food. And as to Good To Go, we build a strong company with now more than 1,300 employees that their salary get paid fully on saving food. And together we actually uh, make a difference. So it is possible now to create healthy and sustainable business model that enables you to build a company while staying true to your impact, while having as your main KPI, the number we look at every day, the number of meals saved. This is what we follow. And I know that something like this exists more so at the enterprise level, meaning there are ways for charities to be able to get unused food, right? But I think your point, if I'm hearing you correctly, or logically speaking, is that that alone is not enough. That's great. And that's awesome. And that should continue to happen. But what you've done is you've basically unlocked and democratized this for individuals to be able to participate in something that is bigger than them, but also benefits them, which I think is super cool. A hundred percent. And I think our main statement here is that Food waste is not something that anyone is going to solve on it on their own. We need the charities to pick up big amount of food and help solve food insecurity, but that's not enough. We also need everyone to do their bit. And sometimes when you save one meal, it feels like just a drop in the ocean. But if you think about the huge community we managed to build in such a short time around the world in 17 countries, then it starts making a lot more sense because you just feel part of something much bigger, as you said. And that's really the power of peer-to-peer uh, -peer in a way and making all those connections every day around something that truly makes sense.
You have now millions of users. Yes, more than 50 million, actually. More than 50 million. Talk a little bit about territory. I know it obviously exists in the United States. Where else does it exist? Or is it just the US right now? No, so we actually started in Europe um, six years ago. We started in Scandinavia, Denmark, Norway. And then quickly I moved back to France as well to launch it there. And now we operate in 15 countries in Europe. So most of the biggest European markets are live on the app. We took the decision to come to North America in October 2020. So originally we had picked the perfect date of March 2020 to launch in, uh, in New York. It was probably the worst date we could have ever picked uh, in the history. Yeah, you, you and others, don't worry. You're not alone in that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if that makes me feel better, but um, it was definitely not the perfect timing. In the summer 2020, we were like, well, this is not going to stop um, too soon. So food waste is still is still happening every day. So we need to continue our mission and to just adapt. Flew in, I had to quarantine for 15 days and then managed to make it uh, here with a couple of, uh, of other employees from Europe. And then uh, we started in October 2020 um, in New York and Boston originally. And then it just went really, really fast in the US actually. It's, it's the fastest launch we ever experienced. Today we're in 12 cities. We've already saved 1.5 million meals and we work with, uh, with more than 7,000 partners already across those 12 cities. In the meantime, we also launched in Canada, in Toronto, uh, Vancouver, Montreal. And um, so the idea is that food waste is a thing everywhere in the world. So we have that ambition now that we know our concept works to really take it globally and build a global movement for fighting food waste across all countries and all communities. Just out of curiosity, now that you're in multiple countries, and I'm glad to hear the US has taken off the way it has, I do think that the environment and sustainability and issues like this are more top of mind now than ever. Two questions. The first one is, can you touch on a little bit the differences between the receptivity by market, by country, and attitudes? And the second is, what percentage of your users are younger or different cohorts demographically versus older? If you could touch on those two things. And that's really interesting, actually, because I would say, so having spent most of my life in Europe and now living in the US for more than a year and a half, it's, it's really interesting to see that Europe is more advanced on some topics and US is definitely more advanced on other topics as well. And we as at Too Good To Go kind of dream of if we manage to make the most out of both continents, then we can really build a really strong company and, and be the, a great employer but also uh, build a, a much stronger solution for fighting food waste. So I would say in terms of environment and the understanding of the importance of the, of the environment crisis, I would say Europe is definitely more advanced. It's something that is truly inevitable uh, there in the head of everyone. I mean, in the media every day, in the heads of the politics more and more, obviously not enough. We always want more, but it is there. But also in the key objectives of companies. Anyone in the food industry now in Europe having their top objectives, food waste reduction, CO2 impact. We see more and more of sea levels, for example, uh, being incentivized uh, by the reduction of CO2. I would say in the US, it's definitely coming, but maybe it's like with a five years delay, for example. From what I can see in terms of the awareness in the media and in the minds of senior executives in companies. So it's definitely coming. But there's a lot of learnings we can take from Europe over to US. The other way around, I mean, for example, talking of uh, talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's kind of a non-topic still in Europe, which is crazy to think about when you see how present and ingrained and like important it is here in the US. When I talked about building a company that really gets enriched by both continents, 
this is definitely, now we started a whole diversity and equity and inclusion strategy for Too Good To Go, and we can really lead the agenda in Europe, where um, in, in US, for example, the whole notion of like tech for good, of social impact company, of having companies that don't only aim for profit, but actually aim for mission and impact. This is something that where we can really lead the way and show that the next unicorns are not just unicorns, they need to be green unicorns. Um, and that's really what we're trying to prove as well at 2 2 That's an interesting point. I do want to get back to generational differences. But before we do, when it comes to equity and inclusion and belonging, there are, as you know, food deserts and there are communities and people who have been marginalized who don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables and their only option is fast food and unhealthy food, right? Processed foods. How can we use this app and this concept to reach those underserved communities, many of whom do have technology access, not all, but many do have the access through tech. The app is free. How do we reach them? And then how do we also get partners in those communities to participate, which is also part of the challenge because no one's going to want to travel outside their community. One, they might not have the means to do it. Two, culturally, they might not just be inclined to do it. Like that's so outside their realm. It's another barrier they have to overcome. So how do we reach those people with your app? I'm going to be super transparent here. We're not there yet. I think we started, when I talked about being present in 12 cities, it's still like, you know, the the New York and San Francisco and Austin, Texas and Chicago. And that's where we are now as a company. It became really clear to us when starting in the US that we had a huge role to play uh, in terms of food insecurity as well. So people who are not, who don't know what they're going to eat tomorrow and if it's going to bring them the nutrition they need to be healthy. Again, in a way, it was it was a topic in, in Europe, but not as much, not as much as it is post-COVID and not as much as it is in the US. And so we used to have three uh, strategic pillars in our company. Uh, when starting in the US, after a few months, we realized that we definitely needed a fourth one. And this is help reduce food insecurity because it is massive. And when we became such a strong player in the fight against food waste, we can't just ignore food insecurity. We have to embed it, we have to support it, and we have to work with all our charity partners to actually find solutions. What we realized is that often those charities or those people in needs don't only need food, they also need the money and the infrastructure to actually make a use of that food or bring that use to that food to the right people or buy fridges so that they can also get some fresh food. And so for us, that's what we're thinking of. We have a super healthy business model with reducing food waste. How can we actually help reduce food insecurity, potentially sometimes with money, maybe sometimes with time? And we just started a full share back program to give time of our employees to actually help charities, but also with our product. Is there more things we can do? And there, that's where I don't have all the answers yet, but uh, that's definitely something where we want to take a bigger role. Is it possible when I pick up my food, a pop-up shows up and says, hey, did you know that just two miles down the road, there's a food bank? And if you don't want to, and if you can't consume all this food, feel free to drop it there and then you know, click yes or no. And then you notify the food bank that, hey, Aaron's coming over. He'll be there in like 12 minutes. Yeah, that's definitely one of the options where, where we would see a blocker here potentially is the food banks being comfortable with digital always and also being kind of having the right number of volunteers of having the infrastructure to actually 
welcome you, hey, Aaron, and actually get the food. One thing we do already on the app is that you can donate money that we send back to our charity partners. So we're like, we have 50 million consumers. A lot of them can't go and pick up the food or are in places where there are no stores around them. Then they can also contribute by actually just donating money on the app that will directly transfer uh, to the charity. That works quite well. And then we're also looking at how can we help, you know, with our app itself, a lot of people actually feed themselves through to good to go because they actually get food for a third of the price, which is suddenly accessible to them. Um, so in a way, uh, in itself, help reduce food insecurity because a lot of people are writing us that they now feed themselves uh, with the app. I feel like there's like some sort of university or college angle here too. You know, I say it coming from a totally sophomoric place in that, so I went to school in DC many, many years ago. I think more years than you are alive, actually. When we needed food to soak up the alcohol late at night, I literally used to go to Roy Rogers with my friends at like midnight and they're about to throw away all these burgers and fries and disgusting fake mashed potatoes. And they give it to us for free, for free. Because I'm like a starving college student and incredibly inebriated and I need food in my, in my stomach. They're just going to throw it away. And they're so nice. And that's where I used to go. It's the same idea. It's just a little bit different. But there's so much restaurant waste. I mean, there's, like you said, 40% of everything that's either grown or made, right? Just goes into the garbage. It's actually pretty similar to your concept. We just make it a bit more systemic in a way because you never know if there's still going to be food and stuff. The app just helps you to kind of like reserve your meal. And actually, it makes the restaurant, guarantees to the restaurant that someone will be here tonight. And the reason why we still uh, make you pay on the app is that for two reasons. First, that gives us a great, uh, simple business model that help us really scale the company, but also because you then get a transfer of responsibility. So as soon as you buy something versus getting a donation, then the liability also transfers to the consumer. And that's really important because a lot of stores actually end up, you know, throwing their food and destroying their food and making it uneatable because they are worried that it could be food troubles and that then the customers will uh, will sue them. And we've seen many lawsuits, right, for people being food poisoned. The beauty of actually paying for the food, even if it's like a really small amount of like three or five dollars, it makes it like a real transaction in the same way as when you buy food. Totally makes sense. Who was your first partner, restaurant partner or, or store? Oh, that's a good question. We actually started with buffet stores. So, you know, the all you can eat restaurant where you actually get tons of food left at the end. And, you know, it, it's so crazy because they have to fill the plates until the last minute. And then when they close, they literally remove everything. And because everything is warm and fresh, it all ends up in the trash. So we had that uh, beautiful stuff where you would come in, pay like, yeah, $5, get a box. And then you just, you have 15 minutes and you have 10, 15 people who come in, get a box and just fill their box. And again, like you should have seen the, the restaurant owner's faces of like, whoa, this is like, this is happening. We're, we're not going to have to throw any food away tonight. And we actually got 15 people who literally took all the food we had left. And, you know, and same for the consumers. I mean, it was it's just so nice every time you do a to go pickup to see the just, you know, everyone feel smart and feel good about it as well. I know so many people across the economic spectrum, super, super wealthy people. Everybody loves a deal. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. Everybody loves a deal. Have you ever been to the basement of Harrods or like, you know, where the food court is in Harrods in London? No, I haven't. So Harrods does this thing 
that I stumbled upon by accident where after a certain time, I think it's like seven o'clock at night. I, I don't, nobody hold me accountable to this, but there was a time of the day where they'll drop their price by like 60, 70% for all the food they have. And it's all, by the way, high-end, awesome, yummy, delicious, from baked goods to like sushi and sashimi. It's amazing, right? And I would, on occasion when I'm traveling back in the day, when we used to travel all the time, I'm in London, I'm like, I'm just going to go get like a half-off meal at Harrods. Even then it's expensive, but it's still half-off, right? This similar idea. And and they, I'm thinking to myself, you know, everybody wins, just like you've created this ecosystem of win, 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 right? And the only thing with that, because I love the idea, and I wondered why, why isn't there more stores doing it? The reason for it is that they are worried that then you would actually wait for that time. Just me. Just people like me. I wait. Yeah. <laughs> but there, are, there are many like you, actually. Yeah, yes. but, you know, so then you start thinking about cannibalization and like, how can it be still a good business model? And that's really where the app comes into place is that you still have to like book your meal. And then if the store say, I have enough food for 15 people, then it's only 15 people who can actually come and get the food. So you don't end up having like a long line uh, ex exactly at 7 p.m. that is just waiting to buy the food. That's where we bring a good value as well. So what does your average consumer user look like? Are they not old Gen X like me or are they, you know, young Gen Z like you? So what do you think? I'm going to say they're way younger, probably Gen Z into millennials. And maybe I would say probably 10, 12% are Gen X and above. It's more diverse than that in a way that we really have age class on the app, really from like the students who is hungry, who has flexible time, who has a small budget and really just want to make a good deal through elderly people who are actually, they, are, they have no time constraints and they have small budget as well. So, and now, you know, they all have smartphones as well. So Super happy to, uh, to participate as well. Uh, our biggest age class is 24 to 34. So it's actually like young, active, many families who are actually really excited about the concept and kind of like become part of their routine a little bit to say like, I'm going to go and save that meal. I'm going to go and discover that really cool store that is maybe two blocks away from my place that I never actually went to. And they really, one thing our users love the most is the surprise effect so when you save a bag on Too Good To Go, you never really know what you're going to get because it's really what's going to be left at the end of the day, right? But that gets them to discover many new type of food or products that they would have never experienced before. So we have a lot of people who write us that they actually go with their kids after school, for example. But, but I think what I'm really proud of is the fact that everyone uses it, you know, for different reasons. But, uh, but we really have um, a, a lot of different uh, type of, uh, of users and I think that's the beauty of it, because as you said at the beginning, our ambition was really to democratize the fight against food waste. And that's what we're doing. I love to hear that. Are you familiar with CSAs? Yeah, of course. Community supported agriculture. So it kind of reminds me a little bit of that in a way, because so my wife and I had belonged to one. My wife ran one for years in our town and we supported this farm called Roxbury Farm. It's super cool. And what it did is one, it forced us to eat more fruits and vegetables, especially vegetables. It also introduced us to new foods. It also encouraged us to cook more. And we knew that we were helping not just ourselves, but farmers. So, you know, you can connect all these dots. And I wonder if there an, isn't an opportunity to also have like a virtual CSA or some sort of component, because there's got to be a lot of waste too. I know that there aren't as many farms as there used to be, but there's got to be a lot of stuff that gets destroyed. I know that we destroy a ton of milk and dairy every year in the United States. We burn it. We actually burn it. We burn like six, 7% of our milk. 
we burn it. It's crazy. Don't get me started. It, it's so many things that are just absurd. We work with many farms, actually, uh, because, you know, all the carrots have two legs, all the potatoes that are not round enough. I mean, so many f- fruit and vegetables actually get thrown away just because they don't look. The, the ugly fruit, ugly fruits and vegetables. The ugly yeah. fruit and vegetables, right? Yeah. And it's just like, it's so stupid because it tastes the same. It actually tastes even better. I don't know about you, but for me, when I see like a perfect, really round apple that just is shiny, I don't want to eat it. You know, it's like... A, You're suspicious, right? It's too good. It's too perfect. It's like, yeah. where, where did this grow? So used to contribute as well to a, to a CSA and... Uh, and it's exactly what you said. It's like, you just take so much more pleasure to eat this food. And you're like, you're a little bit excited of like, oh, uh, it's not the season of, of that anymore. So I have to wait for six months. And th-. for me, at the end of the day, the, the biggest part of the, what makes our food system sick, beyond all those absurdities, is the fact that with the consumer and the producers are so disconnected. How many of us have actually never grown a fruit or vegetable? You know, how many of us have never planted a seed and kind of like watered it and seen it grow? I mean, I've done it myself. I, I grew up in Paris and I was like surrounded by a city uh, environment. And the first time of my life when I actually planted a seed and watered it and like looked at it, and then I could eat like a, a zucchini that I had grown myself, it just tastes completely different way. And you eat a small piece of it, a piece of it and you're like, Wow, this is incredible. When you think about obesity and malnutrition and the fact that we our taste is just so miserable today, it's really about going back to a shorter supply chain and making sure that producers and consumers can be more in contact with each other. And then you will reduce food waste and you'll have better food system overall and healthier people. What was the biggest challenge besides, I'm sure there's some regulatory challenges and just getting started and convincing restaurants and all of your partners, as well as uh, food purveyors and whatnot to to sign on. How hard was that? As hard as you want it to be, I would say, uh, in a way that we, we didn't... So when we started together with my co-founders, we didn't really think about, we're going to create a company, we're going to have employees, we're going to save uh, more than 100 million meals. At the end of the day, it was really about, this truly makes sense, and we believe we can help our local bakery around the corner, and that we can do something that... Everyone is telling us, oh, wow, why we didn't think about it before? So we just did it. And then it was really step by step. So it's kind of like every bakery after every bagel bagel store and after every pizza slices we saved. So of course it was hard because a lot of stores told us, you know, I've been, I've done that job for 20 years and I realized that it's just part of my job to throw food away. But how did you reach them? I mean, this is like a sneaker net thing. Was it, did you buy email lists? Like, how did you actually reach those folks? Because not all of them are that reachable at, outside of walking through the front door, which is... Which is literally what we did. Okay, so it's hand-to-hand combat, basically. Door-to-door, on our bikes, and kind of like just knocking on doors. Honestly, we had no sales background. We didn't know what we were doing. It was just about going out in the street and pitching people. And then suddenly, we didn't really understand how or... But we were on like... We hit national PR and then the media started to talk about us. So we started to have a lot of inbound of stores calling us and saying, hey, I've heard what you do. I I really want to contribute. How much is it going to cost me? Or like, I don't know. It's going to bring you money actually because you're reducing food waste. So you can start today. And then they would just um, jump on it. And it kind of grew really organically, both on the store side and the consumer side. And our main role was to kind of keep it going and uh, make sure that... uh, 
we stayed uh, true to our DNA and, and kept really always remembering the why we were doing this and building the product around that. And then really um, finding finding developers that will help us to actually build a more robust product so that every time we would hit national PR, the app wouldn't uh, crash uh, in the middle of it. So that was it was really about keeping up with the momentum and then bringing the right people together so that we could build uh, teams that were better than we were and that helped us to build uh, to, to go where it is today. Two last questions. One super silly one, which I'll save for the end, and then a less silly one, I suppose. Where did you and how did you raise money from the start? How did you get funding to get this off the ground? I mean, at the beginning for the first year, a year and a half, we were literally just on our pocket money. So I moved back to my parents' place. Uh, I was just working all day and eating on Too Good To Go and not spending any money. And um, every one of us kind of, of did similar things. And, and we literally just focused on building the app and building the product and getting stores and consumers. And then we were lucky enough that actually investors heard about us and they came to us rather than the other way around. So we got several uh, private investors that actually trusted us and say, hey, we just want to be part of this. Um, so with that first small fundraising from private investors, we converted our volunteers into our first employees. And um, many of them are still here today and they, they lead massive teams and they've seen the company grow uh, incredibly. So actually for the first Four years, we only had private investors uh, and we grew the company up to 800 people only with private fundings. And we had great investors that actually truly believed uh, in us and had deep pockets. So they really helped us to grow this. And then it's, it's only around COVID time that we actually, for the first time, accepted to take uh, money from a VC uh, because we always wanted to stay away from them because we were a little bit worried that they would kind of like, I don't know, transform us in a company we didn't want to be. And every time we took the, um, the discussions with them, we were like, we don't really speak the same language. We want to talk about meal saved. You want to talk about EBITDA and profit margin and stuff. And we want to build a model that works and that is sustainable. But that's not why we wake up every morning. We know it, like, it needs to work as well. But what we care about and our main KPI is meal saved. Wait, did you, did you say you have 800 employees? Today we have 1,300, actually. Hold on a second. You're six years old. You moved out of your parents' house, I hope, clearly, like <laughs> a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. you have th- what do these 1,300 employees do? Who are, are they full-time employees? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So 1,300 full-time employees based in 17 different markets. In all of our markets, uh, we actually build full teams because even if our product is really scalable, food is really a local thing, right? We don't eat the same way just in Texas or in uh, in New York or in Chicago. So we actually have offices. Uh, we have four different offices in the US. And so it's, it's both people who do door-to-door and go and convince more partners. Around 500 of our employees are actually bringing stores every day, either by knocking on doors or by working with massive brands like Panera's, like Pratt's, um, Pete's Cafe, and like many others. It's a sales force. It's a, it's a big sales force of 500 people who either take inbound calls or who actually reach out to key partners. We have a big team of um, to talk about the movement, to talk about what is food waste today, to run our social media, to talk about it in the press. And, th- and that's a big part of our team as well. And then, of course, now knowing that, uh, you know, we save uh, more than 200,000 meals every day. So it's how do we make sure that those 200,000 meal saving transaction actually uh, have the best experience as possible, that we have good partners, good consumers. Um, and so that's a big, a big team as well. And then, of course, we have our product and tech team. But yeah, it's a big company. Yeah. So here's a silly question. What is your favorite meal, your favorite food? 
that you can't live without? No, I have to say, you know, I'm French and I'm a sweet tooth. So, you know, La Durée, the macarons? Yes. It was a, one of our first partners in New York, actually. And uh, I just love that surprise bag because you get like a, a couple of pâtisseries or, or cakes and uh, a pain chocolat or something. And that, that kind of reminds me of my childhood. So I have to go for a French brand, obviously. That's cute. No, I love that. And, and, you, and you took that concept to your company because there is a, there's a little bit of mystery, right? In terms of what you're going to get. You're not really sure. You get what you get and you never get upset. Yeah, I mean, we, so we have ratings on the app. So every time you pick up a surprise bag, we ask you to rate your experience on five stars. The global average is 4.7. So happy to say that most of them are great surprises. And then if you put less than four, then we ask you about the quality of the product, the quantity that you got, and then the service as well. Because the idea is that you feel great about saving these foods. So you should also be welcomed as such. Listen, Lucy, I can't say what a pleasure it's been. It's been so great having you on here. I'm incredibly impressed with your growth and what you and your co-founders have been able to do. It's super cool. I have it downloaded. When I get into an area that has more opportunity or more options, I will use it. And I'm going to get my kids to use it. They're nearly adults. One of them is a full-on adult. The other is adulting. And my wife and my friends. And I just, I think it's awesome. And check out Oddbox. I had them on. They're a UK-based company, husband and wife team. And they do, they they basically rescue what you said before, like the ugly fruits and vegetables. Ugly fruits and vegetables. Yeah, yeah. That's Great awesome. people. Yeah, super, super cool. That's awesome. So uh, thank you. I wish you all the best. I can't wait to have you back on when you have like 10,000 employees. And thanks for democratizing this and making it accessible to individuals. It's awesome. I will be back. My pleasure. Definitely. Thanks. Thanks a lot for your time, Aaron. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Brand on Purpose, a podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful, purpose-driven companies, organizations, and people. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our production team, including Maria Bias, Michael Grubbs, Anna Lamb, Haley Sackett, and Nina Valdez. Learn more about our show, sponsorship opportunities, and hosts by emailing BOP at kwtglobal.com or visiting aaronquitkin.com. Find us on LinkedIn and Instagram under Brand on Purpose Podcast.